The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. In its fourth season of presenting personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, the official podcast of FetishCon. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as other educators and sex-positive personalities sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is your host, John, or as they are known in the kink and fetish communities. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. We are just into season number four as we count down to our 200th episode. I would have never believed that we would have gotten this far. Now to today's show, and we are literally supersizing our show not as an offensive term, but because that's the description that is given by our guest, who's taken fetish into a whole new realm. Ivy Davenport is a super plus-size model, performer, and producer. She's been modeling since 2003 and began her producing career in 2006. She specializes in producing high-quality, fat-centric erotica, but also produces a wide variety of other erotic fetish content. The groundbreaking Ivy Davenport, our guest, on what women and other wonderful humans want. What was the genesis of what made our guests who they are? We begin that journey with the first five. Five questions about firsts. First time you understood what fetish was, and what was your reaction? Um, wow, I was honestly pretty young. Um, I had found a book called Deviant Desires by Catherine Gates. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. And I found that book and it really opened my eyes to just how many different fetishes there are. And I really feel like I kind of grasped it immediately. First time you got in front of a camera and explored a fetish, what did you do? And how are you feeling? Um, so I actually started shooting fetish right on my 18th birthday. So <laughs> my first shoot was the day that I turned 18 and um, I explored fetism and I did, it was just photos at that point because this was so long ago that like 
videos online were not not really a thing at, for like indie content producers it was all photos so um i did like a measuring and eating photo set first time you were able to say i am my authentic self and super proud of it that's a great question um I don't think I've ever had like an aha moment like that. Like, I think I, I feel like I'm really lucky um, because I feel like for most of my life, I have felt like I'm being my authentic self and very comfortable and happy in that. So I'm not really sure, honestly. I'm sure social media with the way that it is can be quite mean. Oh, yeah. But when was the first time you got a message that just made you smile from ear to ear? When I first started modeling, I remember I got the nicest message um, from another woman, actually, who was just kind of commenting on how my photos really um, opened her eyes to the idea of like being big and beautiful and accepting herself and that was like a really powerful awesome email to get like it made me feel really fulfilled and happy when people use the term fetish model they have something in mind when they think about that <laughs> obviously you have redefined what fetish model is have you had one of the fetish models that people would go, oh, that's the ultimate fetish model, come to you and say, Ivy, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I want to be more like you. <laughs> um, The first part, yes, never that I want to be more like you. But <laughs> uh, definitely, I've definitely had other models that I'm like, look up to and I'm just like, wow, like, they're incredible. Come up to me and be like, I love what you do. And it always just like I never expect it so it's always really really cool when it happens we've just started to speak with Ivy Davenport who is as I put it supersized the fetish industry and when we come <laughs> back on what women and other wonderful humans want we're going to talk about that journey our show is presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to Kinkster Merch on Etsy For more than three years, we have presented this podcast as a labor of love without paid advertisers. We do this as we want to give back to this wonderful community for all the gifts it has given us. If you want to financially support our efforts, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We will give you that address again later in the show. Now, here are some words from Catsuit's friends about things you should know about. Hi, Catsuit. Thank you so much for sharing your wholesome space with the team of Fetish Bacchanal. Sparkle the Brat and I, Goddess Alanis, will be hosting a three-day Kingfield retreat in Jamaica, June 28th to the 30th, 2024. 
This is going to be an escape of a property with a cleansing mineral cave right in the heart of it. Follow at Fetish Bacchanal on Twitter for more updates on ticket links, vending, performances, and more. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. We are proud to be the official podcast of FetishCon, and we want you to join us in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 8th through 11th, 2024. The trade show brings together models, producers, industry leaders, and fans from all over the world, and brings you great classes in kink or how to become an industry professional. You can get all the details at FetishCon.com. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? (laughs) Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, (laughs) Uh, but lots of solid... BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princess Natasha Strange, that's me, (laughs) is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Empowering designs for fetish models, doms, sex workers, or anyone else who needs to be seen as their authentic selves. Visit the What Women Want podcast store at Kingster Merch on Etsy to see those and other wonderful designs for all kinksters. Now, back to the show and more with our guests on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program, joined by Ivy Davenport, who I had an opportunity to meet at FetishCon. And when I turned around, I saw you uh, coming through the crowd on opening night there, and somebody came up to me and said, have you met Ivy before? She is amazing. (laughs) Aww. Your reputation within the fetish industry for being groundbreaking and brave is almost universal from everybody that I talk to. Do you feel like you've had to be groundbreaking and brave to do what you do? No. (laughs) That's really awesome to hear. But no, I feel like, I mean, there's definitely things that I know that I've like done and produced that I haven't seen other people do before me. Um, But I don't know. I just... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that you do, I had never heard of and never to yuck another's yum. Uh, When I heard about it, I said, that sounds kind of strange to me. 
<laughs> but there is a thing called feedism. Yeah. I, as I said, I had never heard the term before. Explain to me from your standpoint what feedism is. So feedism is basically a kink where I don't even want to say one partner because, you know, there's polyamorous folks out there where um, your partner or a person or whatever uh, enjoys the aspect of feeding their partner and the idea of them gaining weight. And to be involved in it, you don't necessarily have to be gaining weight or, um, you know, even actively like participating in feeding. Like it's just even just the fantasy, um, I would say, you know, counts. Do you know where the genesis of it came from? In general, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, not really. But if you look back at just different media, mainstream media through the years, there are so many scenes of, you know, even in cartoons where it's like, a little, you know, creature eating until they get really fat or like one that comes to mind is in Charlotte's Web, uh, Templeton mm-hmm. at the fair. Or is that Charlotte's Web? Yeah, Charlotte's Web um, at the fair with his, you know, smorgasbord and he's just eating and eating and eating and eating and he gets like all big and fat and he's just so happy. <laughs> um, you know, that's like a really, I would say, popular example. But, you know, there's been other for some people, I think it starts, you know, with that. Um, I think the fetish in general, you know, I'm not really sure like the exact origin of it, but I know for sure the different representations of weight gain in the media has definitely contributed it to, has definitely contributed to it for a lot of folks. I called this episode supersizing fetish because <laughs> you have taken the world of fetish and created even so much more out of it. The thing that I had heard from Genesis Lynn, who is the mm-hmm. co-founder of FetishCon, is that Ivy found a niche, ran with it, and absolutely has created such positivity for what she does in what could be considered a very negative world. Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> So when you do, because I'm guessing and I'm I'm trying to be as respectful as I can when yeah. when I discuss it, but obviously I feel a little uncomfortable, is the look that you have is not something that the general public goes, oh yes, this is what we like. <laughs> but there are people who definitely love this kind of look. Oh yeah. There are, yeah, (laughs) there are more people than you would think that love big women, supersized women, super, super sized women. Um, And so many people that I think don't even realize that that's what they're into until they're like in it. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, oh my God, this is great. Like, I can't believe that, you know, I thought this wasn't my thing or... You know, I mean, there's, because there's so many, like a fat body is such a full sensory experience, you know, like it's just, there's like just the different, you know, touch and the weight and all of that really 
um, I think contributes a lot to the attraction to it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's. Is there a feeling that maybe some subs have when I think of subs who look up to you because you are a dom? Yeah. That just feel like they could get totally lost in you? Oh, yeah. I more get that a lot. Explain that for us. Um, I have a lot of subs who they just love to just be completely lost in the sauce with me. <laughs> like they love to just be completely enveloped, completely smothered. Um, whether it's by my belly or my butt or my thighs. Um, and, you know, just the sh my sheer size definitely contributes to my ability to dominate because, you know, I generally speaking, am so much larger than my submissives um, that that just adds to the sense of my power, you know? Is there a typical sub that likes a typical size or a typical type that likes what you do more than another? No, it runs the absolute gamut of different types of men, women, and everyone in between. I could almost imagine, though, a smaller type person really getting sometimes yeah i mean i definitely i have i have definitely had submissives who are very very small but um like really petite but i also have had a lot of fat submissives too you know people that were um mm, not as fat as i am now but definitely small you know definitely very fat um there's there's also within fetism, there's um, people who would call themselves like mutual gainers. So they're interested in not only feeding someone, but gaining themselves. Mm. So I have a lot of submissives that are into that. Um, like they love the idea of me being their dominant feeder and like helping them achieve what I have, basically, or helping them just get fatter in general, you know, maybe not necessarily to my level of fatness, <laughs> but, you know, fatter. You said you did your first fetish video on your 18th birthday. You did not waste any time for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Had you been counting down the days to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I, sparked what sparked the interest? Well, <laughs> it started um when I was younger, my best friends and I, we would, you know, do the typical millennial thing and go in chat rooms and chat with guys and, you know, then of course we'd take it a step further and be like, "Ooh, call me." And, you know, super unsafe, not really the responsible thing to do, but that's what we were doing. And um, we'd call and have like phone sex with, you know, other guys that were, you know, around our age. And we, we would just kind of like a group of my girlfriends and I would just do this together. And I was always the best at it out of my little group of friends. Everyone was like, Ooh, like what Ivy said, like, I got to repeat that line or, so I really wanted to kind of get into phone sex. I thought that would be really fun. And you know, I was thinking about it and doing, you know, research. And then I realized, you know, I don't really like talking on the phone that much. Mm. Um, maybe this isn't exactly the way that I want to like take this. And I had seen 
other um fat women online you know doing modeling um and they were all you know bigger than me older than me but all just absolutely gorgeous and I thought like I could probably do that like I was fairly creative and involved in some photography and so I thought you know why not give this a try and see if I'm any good at it and I had to pay for college so that was kind of my motivation was it's like I need to get some money quick (laughs) I need to pay for some schooling and um it just seemed like the best you know the best option was any of this a way to prove yourself to people as you grew up that you see beauty in a different way and you can show it to them and show that they're wrong to people who might have said differently? No, no, not really. Um, it, I, uh, I haven't ever really been too concerned about what the other people around me were thinking about what Mm -hmm. I looked like. Um, because I knew that like, I knew that I was like way fatter than everyone else. And I knew that that was, you know, not the typical standard desired body type. So I just kind of felt like I'm just going to do what I do for the people that like it. And if, you know, if that helps other people see beauty in all sizes, then that's great. But it was never my initial intention to showcase that. Now, Definitely, it's more of a thing that I find really cool and um, something that I definitely try to like promote is that like everyone, no matter what your size can be beautiful and is beautiful and um, that, you know, size is really kind of an irrelevant factor when it comes to someone's beauty. And body positivity is something that is absolutely a key thing in life these days. Because yeah. not there are no two humans that are exactly the same. We all have our challenges. We all have things. I mean, even the skinniest person in the world may not be happy with who they are. Absolutely. Some of the some of the people that I know that are the least happy with their bodies are so much smaller than me. Hmm. Like a lot of, you know, my thinner friends are not they're not in the same place with their acceptance of their body. And I feel like a lot of that is just like the pressure that society places on everyone, but especially women um, to look a certain way and be a certain way. So at one point you must've gone, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Oh yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's long kind of been my, (laughs) my attitude. You decided to become a dominatrix or a dom. Mm-hmm. What brought that on? I kind of fell into it. Um, hmm. I had, I've always been kind of a dominant person. Um, and I really, I, I was, you know, just filming clips and, I kept getting requests to do like more like dominant roles. And so I do them and it would, I'd love it. It was so fun for me. And it was so different from um, some of the other content that I was creating. 
And then I started getting inquiries about doing like in-person sessions um, and, you know, filming subs and that sort of thing. So, you know, I did my research, figured out how to do that exactly. Cause you know, I wasn't, wasn't, you know, it was foreign to me. And um, I had a friend who she'd done a lot of sessions and she was a pretty, pretty successful BBW Dom. And uh, she helped me kind of figure it out. And then I just kind of went from there and started, you know, seeing submissives on my own and um, just loving it and having so much fun with it and really just kind of hit the ground running and loving every minute of it. Was that while you were living in Cleveland? Uh, it started while I was in Chicago, actually. Mm-hmm. Started while I was living in Chicago. And then I moved back to Cleveland. And um, I continued doing it there. And now I'm in Florida. And I'm still doing it and loving it. The reason I asked about Cleveland is I used to live up there. Oh, really? And, and would go to the Red Door Dungeon and to mm-hmm. AFA all the time. I'm actually going to be teaching at AFA here in a, a few weeks, which is really cool. Oh, that's but awesome. Cleveland had a, and still does, has a very accepting scene where people just enjoy being themselves. And and so uh, I could totally see that. Obviously, Chicago with being as big as it is, yeah. that uh, that scene is almost like to professionals it's it's almost like well i'm not going to say hollywood because hollywood is hollywood but chicago is definitely an epicenter for things yeah you know it's it's honestly kind of a shame i never got involved in any of it when i lived in either place um i am such a shy person outside (laughs) of uh like any kind of professional setting and even in like a professional setting where i don't know a lot of people or anyone, I am just crazy shy. Like I'm the loudest shy person you'll ever meet, but I am very shy. That surprises me because you did not seem shy at FetishCon. You I was on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you beam with a certain kind of energy that very few have. Aww. I mean, you when you uh come into a room, the atmosphere and the aura around you just beams with this positive energy that you can't help but being caught up in well thank you well it's true (laughs) (laughs) i mean obviously fetish con is a place where you have hundreds if if not about a thousand people going around everybody wants to be seen there but some people demand the spotlight not by pushing others out of it, but simply by being who they are. And I remember on that opening night, I was asking, who is that person? <laughs> because they're so happy. They're in, engaging with so many people. And I didn't know who you were. And then Genesis Lynn said, oh, you need to talk to Ivy. <laughs> I love Genesis. She's so sweet. I will tell you something that, because you didn't uh, you didn't hear the episode and it's uh, I don't expect any of my guests to be listeners first but Denzel the CEO of Clips for Sale mm-hmm. when I said asked him for some models that have really stood out in his mind 
for surprising him. He named you as one of those. And I think it's because in the world of clips for sale, where you have so many different fetishes and so many different kinds of people and models, you stay true to your brand and you pretty much own that brand there. (laughs) Thank you. Does that come with any pressure? Or do you just do what you do and hope people like it? I kind of just do what I do and hope people like it. I I am I try to be as laid back as possible about things because when I start feeling the pressure and like acknowledging it, it becomes too much. So I just find it so much easier to just stay true to myself, do what I want to do and hope for the best. <laughs> and it's worked out so far. So I feel like I'm doing something right. <laughs> Where does your joy come from when you do videos? Um, I love the creativity. Like the ability to be creative is everything for me. I Part of, I think, why I have stayed in this line of work for as long as I have is because I have the ability to be creative. And I can be as creative as I want to be and as wild as I want to be. And um, there's, you know, I mean, the only limits that are imposed upon me are the ones that the billing companies put out for the, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the site. So it's like, as long as I stay within that, you know, I can do whatever I want. And I find that to be so liberating and brings me just so much pleasure. And then of course, knowing that people are like watching what I'm creating and that they're enjoying it and that it's, you know, bringing them pleasure or inspiring them or, you know, giving them like an amazing orgasm. That all is just kind of like, I don't know, it just adds to the joy. But the the real joy for me is like in the process of creating. With you being a professional dom you also enjoy the world of switching when you're on camera yes do you have to change your mindset a lot to do that or is it just natural um I have to change my mindset a bit but it's definitely I love switching on camera because I feel like I get to act more rather than just perform how I am So it's kind of fun to like take on something that's not really me, you know, and get to do that. And then hopefully convince people that that's how I really am for at least that video. (laughs) You build new worlds and you love sci-fi and paranormal. I do. (laughs) Where did that love come from? Um, well... I legit have like an alien kink. (laughs) (laughs) I legit like I have an alien thing. Um, So that's part of it. But, you know, I've always loved scary movies and sci-fi and, you know, my favorite, my favorite kind of shows and stuff to watch when I was younger were always like anything spooky, anything, you know, just weird, creepy out there. And, um, I started experimenting a little bit with doing a little bit of sci-fi content 
about five years ago and I wasn't sure how it was going to be received because in fetism a lot of the clips are very straightforward it's you know a hot fat babe eating something or weighing herself or talking about her weight or you know it's it's not alien tentacles delivering fattening liquid to a helpless girl in her bed who's then beamed up to outer space and you know like (laughs) that's not really what people were or are producing so I wasn't sure if people were going to be like this is the weirdest worst thing I've ever seen or I have the strangest boner ever right now and I love it so I wasn't sure what to expect and thankfully it was the the latter of the two (laughs) I was about to say, the way you describe that sounds like it comes out of the imagination of Ludella Hahn. <laughs> Those are some of the things that she does so very well. Yeah, she's great. The transformation fantasies. Mm-hmm. That just sounds yummy. Yeah, I love <laughs> Tell it. Tell me about that. Um, I, you know, I love anything, again, that lets me be creative. And um, I love doing transformation stuff, especially weight gain transformation. And uh, I've acquired a small collection of like fat suit type items to help with that. And it's really fun to like take a, a thin girl and then show like a series of, you know, her eating or, um, you know, whatever. Sometimes there's a magical component Um, that transforms her from like thin girl to like fat girl and uh, I don't know those are just they're always so fun to film and the girls always have fun with it because they get to eat all kinds of delicious food and they're like this never happens when I'm on set like (laughs) yeah (laughs) I bet and it's probably very freeing for them because as we talked about earlier, sometimes there's this image they have to keep up and they're just throwing yeah. it away saying, this is how we live life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it so, it presents such an atmosphere for you and for those around you of just being your authentic self. And we talk about authenticity so much in this show. It was actually a buzzword uh, at FetishCon during the the final night where people were talking about how FetishCon is a place where people can find their authenticity when they can't live with it for the rest of the year. Absolutely. When you're surrounded by people who are living it for that one weekend, and you know that you can live it 24-7, 365, What is your empathy that goes out towards them? You know, I definitely feel for them because there was a point in my life where I feel like, I mean, I feel like I've always been mostly my authentic self and I've been really blessed to feel comfortable doing that. But there was definitely a point, you know, pre, pre adulthood where I didn't feel like I could be as authentic, you know, authentically myself. And, um, I can't imagine like, you know, later being, you know, the age I am now or older and having to compartmentalize myself so much that I only get to really like 
bust out with my full self that one weekend like that's gotta be like I mean I get why people go so crazy at fetish con <laughs> explain to me what lingerie shopping is like do you have some go-to places that you always know yeah. you can you can count on so I do all of it online um and there's a handful of places that I go to Torrid you know that's like the the main the mainstay for most plus girls um I can usually count on them to have some you know sexy cute stuff uh there's another little independent site um it's called what is it called lady strange lingerie and she does stuff in different sizes and you can kind of like she used to do customizations i'm not sure if she does anymore but um i used to order some like custom size stuff from there and you know change up the fabrics i do a lot of custom order stuff off etsy mm. just because it's it ends up costing about the same because plus size stuff is so expensive that to just go to an independent person and have what you want made and customized is just so much easier what are some of the characters whether it be in in your sci-fi or paranormal or or just in your everyday fetish world that you have on your bucket list of, of things that you'd really like to do I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> um I have had some ideas for different types of like ghost and possession like I'd love to do like a whole haunted house type of like series with like you know ghosts possessing people or like you know encouraging them to eat or just I don't even know but some kind of haunted house thing I think would be so cool with like a really good location too, you know, not just like in my studio or a hotel room, but like somewhere that looks actually kind of spooky. Well, um, you're, you're in St. Petersburg, yes. which is the home of fetish con. Yes. And that is a city. I have never been to a city that opens up its arms and says, oh, the fetish people are here. Yay! <laughs> As opposed to, oh my God, they're here. Yeah. It seems like a very accepting place in probably the state that's the least accepting, but there's yeah. that's beside the point. The fact is, it seems like a place where you can indulge fantasies a little bit easier than a lot of places. For sure. For sure. I feel like, I feel like Florida in general is kind of like, you can just kind of wild out and it's just to be expected. <laughs> and that's so funny because there are some people and rightfully so who are scared of living there. Oh, I get that completely. I completely can empathize with that. <laughs> Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the more uh, interesting aspects of what you do and also talk about uh, things that bring you joy outside of the world of fetish, which includes 
rescue dogs. We'll be talking about that when we come back. It's what women and other wonderful humans want. We're presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to Kinkster Merch on Etsy. Connect with the show on social media. Follow us on Twitter, because that's what we still call it, at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram, as long as they don't suspend us, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. On Pinkster, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. And on FetLife as WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow our host, that's easy as they are hi there, Catsuit, on all platforms. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to reach out. Now, some more words with Catsuit's friends. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Craptaculous boundaries are not your fault. The more severe the dysfunction you experienced growing up, the more difficult boundaries are for you. David W. Earl. Or as Ms. Titania said, Nobody ever warns you that when you come from dysfunction, a healthy mind can feel unsafe. We spend our lives being controlled by others, so we learn to control others. Or we allow others to control us in exchange for love. Learn more about Take No Shit. Build better relationships through discovering, creating, and maintaining healthy boundaries in three, sometimes five, simple steps at my.curiouser.com. Dot life. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Thank you for joining us. Please show your support of the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our video channel at youtube.com slash at what women want podcast. And to financially support the show, which we greatly appreciate, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We very much appreciate it. This is Nookie. And Dating Kinky has brought you this podcast since day one. We believe in great education for our community. And this is just one of our efforts. Please join us at Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, 
queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Proud to be joined by Ivy Davenport, a groundbreaking model in the fetish industry. And the fetish industry, Ivy, is always changing. We're always trying to stay within the rules and make sure that compliance is taken care of. How do you try to keep that all straight? Um, I frequently am referring back to the rules <laughs> on the sites and reading, you know, double checking, triple checking. And I will, but sometimes uh, before I film something, if I have something that I'm like, mm, this could maybe fall outside of compliance, but maybe not. I will email them and I will be like, here's my idea. Here's what I want to do. Is this allowed? So that if they come back later and say, no, <laughs> you're mm -hmm. not getting approved. I can say, but you guys said. This and was communication fine. is key on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, communication is always key, but I'm curious how you communicated to your mom that you borrowed her credit card to get your career started. Tell us that story. <laughs> um, so I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I knew that I was going to need a camera and uh, like a, a digital one. And I only had, this is going to age me. I had a camcorder that you stuck an entire VHS tape into to record on. I had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that that wasn't going to work to get my content online. So um, I might have snuck into my mom's, and this is the only time I ever did this, by the way, <laughs> I might have snuck into my mom's wallet and taken her credit card and then called home shopping club <laughs> to purchase a webcam slash video camera um, for four easy payments of $24.99. And <laughs> I didn't tell her until the camera came. And she, I explained to her what it was for. I was completely honest. Uh, we're really lucky. We've always had a really open communication and she um, is very accepting of what I do and proud of me. So she was mad that I borrowed her credit card, but she wasn't mad that I was using it to try to be entrepreneurial. She was like, well, at least you weren't just shopping for clothes. But your start was actually pretty difficult because here you had all these pictures that you've taken and you're sending them out, but you're not getting the response that you expected. No, everyone told me no. <laughs> I got turned down by like three or four different sites before someone was like, yeah, we'll give you a shot. And where did it go from there? Because I know that you, you were able to basically turn that into a brand. Yeah, it was, um, I, I messaged them. They said, yes, finally, I was so excited and I was the youngest and smallest girl on their site. So I was like a little nervous about it. Um, but it really just took off. Like it instantly, it was like, I was really, really fortunate because I was instantly pretty successful with what I was doing. And I definitely credit a lot of that to just the time that I entered the industry. I know you um, went to art school. 
And when you did, I know that obviously all the creativity goes into that. How much of that influenced what you were able to do? I would say a lot. Um, I went to, you know, I started college studying fine art and I later transitioned to fashion marketing. And I feel like the combination of studying art and then studying marketing has been so helpful for me in my career. Um, and just, you know, being exposed to different kinds of art and different, um, different concepts and, you know, all of that, I feel like has shaped me into, um, the creative person I am now. You designed a life where you've worked as I take a look at your bio here with over a hundred models appearing in more than four thousand scenes and you produce several thousand more my clip store just hit ten thousand clips wow some of those are duplicates but still that's a lot of clips yeah and about two years ago after going through all those different scenes you finally were able to live up to a goal that you wanted to do yeah I um I f- was able to open a like brick and mortar studio space where I'm able to record my content, change my sets, do all kinds of creative stuff. How much fun was it walking into that place for the first time, realizing that creativity would live there? Oh my gosh, I was like overjoyed. And I opened it with a friend of mine, uh, Akira Shell. We did it together. Um and she's no longer a part of it uh she has her own studio space now but um it was so fun to just know that like this space was going to be used for making so much fun weird content and it's yours too and it's mine yeah it's mine (laughs) sometimes i'll just sit in there and i'm like wow i can't believe that i did this Tell us where we can connect with you online and also where we can find your clips. I am on Twitter as BBW Ivy Davenport. And I have my website, bbwivydavenport.com. And then I also have a website for my business, which is hfgmultimedia.com. And that's kind of got like my information on just renting my studio because I do offer it for rentals to local industry folks and, um, you know, just about my company and the models that are available for customs. And then my clip store is clipsforsale.com slash 14798. So that's where you can find me. We really need to talk to Denzel about figuring out a way that it can be like slash Ivy Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I do know that uh, the lower the number you have, the more uh, experienced you are with clips for sale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard you all compare your numbers. Oh, you have a number that, that that's that low? Yeah. <laughs> Ivy, absolute pleasure talking with you today and uh, keep doing what you're doing and spreading that positive word around. I mean, as I said, you were just such a a bright ray of sunshine uh, when I got to meet you at FetishCon, and I just wish you nothing but the best of luck. 
Thank you so much. You're so lovely, John. I really appreciate it. So amazing to get to share the story of such a groundbreaking person. And I really appreciate uh, the happiness that Ivy Davenport was able to bring to me down at FetishCon with our conversations. And I'm so glad we were able to have her on the show to share her story with you. Have you missed an episode or want to catch up on our nearly 200 episodes? All our shows are available in the archives. And here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. In the saturated market of content creation, Isabel Miller is making her mark with over 1 million followers across her social media platforms. On the surface, her alluring presence and sensual content draw her fans in. But take one step deeper and you'll see that Isabel is an intelligent, ambitious, and strong woman setting her apart from similar creators. She's been having some awesome conversations around body positivity, gaining weight in the public eye, and how to handle all those very loud opinions as a content creator. And she will join us next time. Isabel Miller on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. New shows premiere every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Looking forward to visiting with Isabel Miller next time on the program. And we have some amazing shows coming up in October, November, and December, including a visit from our most popular guest ever. It's Venus of the Venus Cuckoldress podcast. She'll be returning for the first time since season number one. Also joining us, the fetish model Nixon with an amazing appearance. And we'll take a look into hypnosis with Mistress Carol, all leading up to episode number 200 with Mistress Stephanie Locke. And we're not going to slow down there as the Chicago mistress, Mistress Simone, will be joining us for the first time since our second season. And we're happy to have that legendary dominatrix joining us as well. I'm John, also known as Hi There Katsu. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.